You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from our student pastor, Eric Miker. Today's message, the same God. And I'm going to jump right into it as our um, team is being seated. This is one of those messages where I got into it and it kept going and going and going. And in the words of uh, one of my mentors, obviously, Pastor Robert is like, you know, you can't cover the whole entire Bible in one message. You'll lose everybody. And that's true. But, I, but when you feel that God is, is breathing things into your heart, like how do I balance my personal study with what's necessary for today? So today's message is what I'm going to tell you is probably going to be more of God speaking through his word than me speaking. Is everyone okay with that? Are you guys good with that? Okay, now here's what you're agreeing to, is to being alive and awake intellectually and not checking out and starting to think about the barbecue or the wiffle ball game or anything that I could do on a Sunday. I'm one of the most easily distracted people that I know because I honestly know myself better than anyone else, as you know yourself. Who are my easily distracted people? Anyone easily distracted? Okay. Tristan, what, what distracts you, you think? Anything, exactly. Good answer. All right, perfect. Um, this week, well, this past week, I was laying on the floor of the bus, which I still can't feel my right shoulder from where I actually fell asleep on that, but I was watching a debate between two pastors, and I'm not going to mention them by name, but I'll just give you their position. One of them was firmly rooted in the Old Testament and the richness that comes from that, but just in my opinion, almost in a arrogant way to where he had the most answers and wanted everyone else to know that. Anyone know anybody like that? Like that guy? Might be that person. That's okay. Um, The other pastor in his book was talking about the premise of unhitching from the Old Testament and Christianity. Now, real quick, I just want you to think about what that would look like. Do you think that's a good idea? I don't want you to answer. Do you think that's a bad idea? What are the dangers in that? And that's kind of where, where my heart was and where my mind was. I'll tell you my position. My position is that this entire scripture that we have is God-breathed and necessary for teaching and rebuke and correction and all those things that it says in the book of Timothy. Rusty, I heard your voice. You agree with me on that. All right, that's good. I at least got one person who agrees with me. That's good. So that's where... I just want you to know where my heart is and where I stand on that. And all of those songs that we just sung about the same God from generation to generation, from everlasting to everlasting, you were the same then, you're the same right now. Those promises, that's an example of a covenant. Does anyone, have anyone ever studied the covenants of God? Right? God first met with Adam and Eve and made a covenant with them. Then he met with Noah. Then he met with Abraham. Then he met with Moses. Then David. Then he talked about through the line of David would come someone that we know as Jesus. Good job. Gold star. <laughs> but, but that's important to know. Right? But we just kind of know about that. And we say something in church a lot. We say, well, you know that. You guys all know that. Well, the truth is we don't all know everything because we're all different people. So in a conversation that I had with someone this week, that, that helped me to hear that, like, we don't know everything. So we're going to look at the life of Moses um, probably more than 
than any of the other of those covenants this morning because like I know because of my wonderful mentor, Pastor Robert, we don't have time to cover all those covenants, but we will at some point. And everything that we're going to cover today, I've heard in another message in this building. So that was encouraging to me to know. Um, but now take a trip with me to morning whatever. Is Kylie in here? What morning was it when we got stuck in the top at Passion Camp? David, do you remember? Can't. Wednesday? Yeah, third morning. Yeah, that's right. So, Vern knows he was there with us. We get out there an hour early. We're standing on the hot pavement in the beaten down sun, and we're like, we are not getting stuck in the top. We're going to be down there close to the master of the mountain and the spirit of God during worship, and we're going to be there because some of our leaders are easily distracted. So, that's why I always wanted to be close so I wouldn't have all this stuff in front of me. But now we're up there. We came in, like we're one of the first people, and there's this door holder as we're coming in. Just pretend you're coming in this way. She stopped. It's like, can't go this way. You got to go all the way out and around. So that's the authority of the building. I'll be honest, in my rebellion, I wanted to just be like, hey, look, a bear, and then run up there. But I didn't do that. But I thought about it the whole entire way around. It's like, this is what I could have done. This is what I could have done. This. And Janine Tomko might have done that. And she, <laughs> she is like the best person for getting seats. But anyways... Is it because you're from New York? I don't know. It could be. Um, anyways, I think about all those random things, so I'm just going to share them with you to keep you awake. So we're stuck up there, and I have the tendency or the, the urge to get kind of frustrated and just check out and be like, well, God, you know me. You know I don't like being stuck up here, and I did all the things right, and I stood in the line, and I sweated, and every single part of my body that could produce sweat sweated, and now here I am stuck. And then the worship started. And I got to see something that I've never seen in that building that I didn't even know existed. And do we have that clip? I want to share this clip with you. Um, this was front row and center. seem to look up me there at the end and smile like this is for you dude I don't know why I looked up there but um, being visual and learning audibly and those two things that gripped my attention I'll just be honest with you more than anything that week when I'm looking like oh what guitar are they playing what are they doing up here now here I'm just confronted with an authentic in my opinion expression of the worship and of the message that God had for me to receive that morning so now my, my, my heart's going, he's got my attention, he's got me awake, and I start thinking about the things that led up to that week. Two weeks before that, um, my kids and I were eating at Subway, and I take this picture, which is, if you went on Passion Camp, you recognize that bus? What's that, how do you know that bus? 
We were on that bus, yeah. So that's the bus from somewhere in Pennsylvania that happened to be coming from Haywood a couple of weeks before we left. No idea why. I still don't know why. Anyone know why? Were you on that bus a couple of weeks ago? All right. So here's that bus. And then now I'm sitting in this section, and I get a message about what's going on at home. Let me see the next picture. You notice, I mean, somebody got stuck in that traffic. Hopefully that's why you're laughing. Um, but that's the same exact place. And it just made enough to make me think, like, how do we end up where we end up? Right? And I started thinking about all the places we were and all the places we've gone and on mission trips, the things that have happened when we've been there. And then was it Gibby or Gibson texted Christy and this message gets forwarded to me sitting in the seats, this next message. All this is happening in real time. Daytona Beach shooting, three dead, that morning, where we were. So I'm like, God, like, where am I safe? Should I be in Shinston with a truck rolled over? Should I be here with people getting shot? And how and when do you choose to be in control of these things? Anyone ever had that honest thought? That's just an honest thought as a, as a human being, right? So I was like, what I've been taught to do and what has always worked and will continue to work, open the word of God, right? Ryan Satterfield asked me this morning, he was like, hey, are you preaching? And I was like, I am. I got around the corner and I was like, I hope I'm not preaching, right? I hope it's the word of God that's presented. And I don't say that in false humility. Like, I, I think like if I could just open this book and shine a flashlight on it and it would be beneficial to your heart and to your life, that's what I would prefer to do. So that's what I'm going to attempt to allow God to do through me this morning. But that's, that's where my heart kind of was and is. And all this stuff, I started thinking about the wondering that we do, the places that we go, how we get there, and what we accept from Scripture, what we don't, the bad things that happen, the good things that happen, what do they mean? The covenants, the promises, how can they keep us? I think we're really good at accepting things like this from the Old Testament. Number 6, 24 and 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We're like, that's right, Lord. I'm an Israelite. Bless me with that prayer. But we're not an Israelite. But does it still apply? That's what we're going to look at. What about Hosea 4, 6? A prophet sent to warn Israel that says this. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also will ignore your children. We're like, ooh, that's barbaric. That's Old Testament. That, thank God I'm blessed out of that. But they're from the same covenant period. Right? But culture today says, give me everything that's good, that makes me look good, that elevates me for my benefit, but I don't want to work to do it. I don't want anything that's restricting to do it. And we really miss the covenant of God. So God knew that about his people. So he drew out Moses. Real quick, what are some things we know about Moses and how he was called and how he was selected? What do we know about Moses? He did. He had a temper. He killed a guy. He certainly did, and that's true. You can find that in Scripture. What else about Moses? 
couldn't speak well. He was worried about like a little bit of maybe a speech impediment type thing. Yep. What else about Moses? Seven years old starting his ministry. I heard about his mother. How was he, how was he chosen? How was he saved? Well, that's how he was called, the burning bush. Did someone say reluctant? Reluctant. Well, what does that mean to you, reluctant? Didn't want to. Or at least felt inadequate to. You think that's a bad place to be? To feel a little bit inadequate in our own self and what we can do and how we can speak? I'm looking at Pastor Aaron. We've had that conversation. Um, I think sometimes that's not a terrible place to be. But since you mentioned the burning bush, we're going to go to Exodus 3, 2 through 15. Now, here's one of those times where it's like 12 or 13 verses in a row. Can you do it? All right. If you can do it, say, I can do it. Okay, here we go. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Tristan, a lot of things take our attention, but one thing that gets our attention is fire, as men. I've known now in my adult life why I like to play with fire, because I've seen my dad. He's the fire guy. And now when I see bear, he's like, fire. <laughs> That's... God knew that about Moses. So here comes Moses. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses recognized God for who he is. It's important. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, not parasites, <laughs> Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'm going to pause right there. Last week, Pastor Aaron was talking about Joseph. Right? Just to put you in place, that was right before this kind of happened. The new Pharaoh and the Egyptians that took those people that Joseph had freed and had given a good place to be and made them slaves. So it's kind of like we're going from last week to this week. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God, we thank you for your word. 
God, speak through your spirit, through your word to our hearts, God. God, get us out of your way that we can hear from you. God, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I do want to pull this out that God met Moses in his current position, but changed his direction. Right? If, if you read the whole account, it's not so much about where they're positioned. If you read the whole account, it's like they were camped here, then they went here, they were camped here, then they went here. It's like trying to keep up with Michelle on social media. It's like, where's she at today? They were camped here, and then they were here. They were camped here, then they went here. But their direction, if it was focused going towards the Holy Spirit, towards God, then they were safe. But when they would stop for even just a moment and had some time to themselves to think and do what they wanted to do when things got a little bit iffy sometimes. And we're going to look at that. Um, but first, I kind of left out that last part of that clip. I want to look at this, kind of the end of that worship experience I had. One more time. Only this time when he says he won't, I want everyone to give me one of these. Like, get out of here. He won't. Let's say it one more time. Right? So literally, like, I'm just sitting there watching this guy. And when he does the fail LL part, it's like he starts with fail and then he goes down. He won't. And that just like, boom. Right from the pages of scripture, right from what I know about God the Father, about his covenant, about his promise, about everything I've experienced in my life, good and bad, he won't. Right? He won't. Let me hear you say he won't. He won't. Moses is following God and leading the people, and he's kind of made it to where he's going to Mount Sinai. What happened up there? Somebody tell me real quick. What was he going up there to do? to write the Ten Commandments and bring him back down to the people. He was up there. What happened while he was up there? Party. Yeah, you got it. All right, Exodus 32, 1 through 8. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered, answered them, Take off the gold earrings for your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast of the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. Now when we see the Lord there, it's capitalized. Before the gods that they're talking about was not. Because they're talking about themselves. They're saying, essentially, look what you did or look what we did. We don't really know. And he's saying, look what the Lord did, which there it's Adonai. It's not Yahweh, which is significant in Scripture. But he's saying, okay, God, like these people are talking about a God, so I'll kind of make it about God. But it wasn't the true God that they were looking for. 
When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the Lord and announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Does that sound like any of us? I'm not, don't raise your hand, don't point at your neighbor. But are we ever more concerned about what we're going to eat and drink in our own party than we are about what the true spirit of God says? And if that's true which it is in my own life and has been in my own life. This week we had to pull up some cameras and see an incident that went out. And I'm looking during worship, during speaking, during whatever's going on, and we have an opportunity to worship together, and I'm not pointing anyone out, but it broke my heart to see what happens out there. It broke my heart. And I'm not just talking about people talking to people or doing their job and all that stuff. I'm talking about like scrolling through phone, social media, Snapchat, and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, it, as a leader, like Moses, he's like these, these same people that are going to be broken without an answer and walk away from their faith because they never knew what it was to begin with. And I don't say that in condemnation. I say that with you. I say that as the guy who searches, as the guy who needs to know. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. They took credit for what God was doing. They ignored what he had done, and they only were concerned about themselves. We can't do that. Well, if only God would have warned us, he did. He does. If that's you right now in your life, whatever that idol is, whatever that thing that steals your heart, your affection, I'm not saying the thing that distracts you momentarily, but I'm saying the thing that takes you off the path, the direction that God has you in, starts pulling you over into doubt, starts dragging you down into fear, and to go to his promise. And if you're not finding it, talk to someone. Have someone to help you, right? That's why God sent them out two by two. You guys are pretty good at your Moses trivia. Who can tell me where Moses is buried? You don't know? Don't you read the Bible? Pastor Rita, where's she at? You know a lot about Moses. Where is he buried? Pretty close. We've got some coordinates, but we don't have the exact spot of the grave, right? So I said that. Now we're going to try to back that up right here. Deuteronomy 34, 4 through 7. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. First thing that popped out to me as a mountain climber is the guy was 120 years old and climbed a mountain. Second thing, his eyes worked at 120 and he could see the promised land. 
Those are the positives. The negative, he was told he would never go into it. But then, why? This is the only person that I have found in Scripture that God literally took them and buried them someplace intentionally so no one would find them. From what we know about the way they worshiped the golden calf, from what we know, they, were, they were, um, had snakes all around them, and they were attacked by snakes, and they were being, you know, being killed by poisonous snakes, and he gave them the staff and the snake. Those of you in the medical community, medical community have seen that staff, that snake, same thing. But what did they do with that staff and that snake that was supposed to save them? They started burning incense to it and worshiping it instead of God. So what happened to that staff and that snake? I believe it was Hezekiah. It was destroyed. What did Aaron decide to do, or what did they decide to do with the calf? Didn't he smash it up into powder and make him drink it? And like, it wasn't a good scene. It was, it was rough. So God does not want us to bow down before other idols that can't give us life. Right? If we look at something to the point where we start to worship it. He wanted them to look at the snake to give them healing, but he didn't want them to worship it. He wanted them to worship him, right? I guess I'm speculating here to a point, but knowing this about these people, do you think he didn't want them to know where Moses' grave was so they didn't go and start worshiping Moses' grave? Because they might. That's just not something I found directly out of Scripture, but just something I thought about. So we know Moses was a shepherd. He was a guy with a temper. He was a leader. He was a speaker. He was a writer of the Ten Commandments. Did you know he was a songwriter? Some people know that. I've talked to a lot of people this week. He's a songwriter. We have three recorded songs in Scripture that Moses wrote. One was a song of praise and thanksgiving. Um, after the Lord parted the Red Sea, I think I would be thanking God too if he literally parted an ocean and destroyed my enemies so that I might walk. So Exodus 15, 18 through 19 says this, the Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went out into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. So here Moses writes a song. The other people start playing the song. The other people start singing the song. Is this, the still, is this still the way it works with humans? It does in my house, like last couple days. Good God Almighty, singing Crowder songs, right? That's the way it works. And this is the way that worked. Could you imagine Moses being all hemmed in by Pharaoh on all sides? I was going to make a joke about try that in a small town, but that's, that's not appropriate. <laughs> I don't know why. Why do I think about this? I think about Moses going, try that in a small town. That's stupid. I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> that was just to keep you awake. Did it work? Okay. Now we're awake. Um, another one of Moses' songs is recorded in the book of Psalms, which you might think, I thought David wrote all the Psalms. That's not true. The oldest one was written by Moses. And it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all, throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. If you're half asleep, at least wake up and look at that one more time. Put that back up there. 
Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. If you had a good math teacher and they taught you about lines and line segments and rays and all those things, the one that goes on forever both ways, that doesn't even cover it. Right? It's as far, far back plus, plus, plus that we could ever think or see or imagine and as far forward. And that's God. Verse 17 says, May the favor of the Lord of our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Terry, if you would come as we're getting ready to close um, this last song of Moses. It's at the end of his life, the end of his journey. God had already told him that he wouldn't walk into the promised land. He's looking at the people, the people that he's journeyed with, that he's walked with, that he's fought with, that he's fought for, that he nearly died with. And his heart is broken. He's frustrated. Verse 1 through 6 says this, Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender, tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, the God. Oh, praise the, gen- oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. What do we notice about the word rock right there? It's capitalized. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are a warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Before the mountains, from everlasting and everlasting. This is God, and we ignore him. Verse 15 through 18, they abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock, their savior. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They sacrificed to false gods, which are not God, gods they had not known, gods they recently appeared, gods your ancestors did not fear. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Last Moses' question. Why didn't Moses go into the promised land? What is it? He smacked the rock. First time or second time? First time, God commanded him to strike the rock and out of it would come water. Second time, God commanded him to speak. Now, this is a little bit me looking into it and some other things too, but the rock, the capital rock, points to our salvation who is found in Jesus, who was crucified once and for all. And that was enough. And that will always be enough. In Moses' frustration, he chose frustration over faith. And I would think a lot of people who walk away from faith, which we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, they do so because of what they see in the natural. And they allow frustration 
to replace faith. So now, without even knowing it, they're worshiping frustration. I believe that's what God saw. Because Moses, who he spoke to, who he held to a higher level of accountability, which is consistent with the rest of Scripture, chose frustration over faith. All he had to do was say, God told us and instructed us to speak to this rock and we would have water. But he didn't. He basically said, I've done all this and I'm going to give you water. He basically said, I am. And God's not okay with that. And that doesn't lead to life. But what's interesting is, God kept his covenant. That's interesting, Lou. Moses did the wrong thing, and God provided the people with what he promised. So that is what gives us our faith today. I am. Not I am. I am. God, I'm scared. I am. God, I have doubts. Who's going to take care of my family? I am. God, I have fears. Trust God's word. Don't ignore his law. 1 Corinthians 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. What does this mean for us today? Paul, who studied this more than any of us ever could. What did Paul study? The same books we looked at this morning. What did Jesus study in the temple? The same books we looked at this morning. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 
No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can do it. What is that way out? His word. What did Jesus use in the, dev- in the desert when he was tempted by the devil? His word. Don't walk away from his word. If you're lost, come back to his word. If you don't know him, the one who died so that we might know him, you can know him. His word says if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he will save us. He will be faithful to keep his covenant to us. He says those who the Holy Spirit has called unto himself can be saved. Let's pray. If you're here today, and not what I've said, because I haven't said a whole, whole lot. We've read a lot of the Word of God. If your heart has been called by the Holy Spirit unto himself to say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Messiah, as my Savior, as the covering for my sins. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Is there one who would say, I need Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life today? If you made that decision this morning, please fill out a connect card back at the welcome desk on your way out. But we're going to take a special time right now where the front is open. I've asked Pastor Kerry to lead us in a song. And in closing, I know we always come up around the front, but I don't want this just to be out of obligation. I want this to be in recognition of our salvation, of the covenant that we have, as the promise that we have. So whatever you need to do, if you need to raise your hand, if you need to kneel, if you need to lay down, whatever you need to do, this is all about God and not about us. That that was a tough one, honestly, for me. Maybe you knew all that stuff and it's easy, but it took a little bit of work. But I'll tell you the same things I tell my kids when they go to practice. You get out what you put in, right? Why would it be any different with Christianity? And not only is it for you, but what about the person that you're talking to at work? Not when you have every answer so that you might boast, but so that we can boast in him who has already given us the answer, the wisdom that comes through Christ. Where's Steve at? Steve Fragman. See in here, is he out in the parking lot doing one of his many jobs here? Steve Fragman, he, you see him everywhere doing everything. Um, but weekly, when I talk to you, Steve, you encourage my heart. Not with your wisdom, but the investment that you've made into the kingdom of God. So if you're looking for someone who can help guide you in the word of God, the same guy you see in the parking lot, not to boast on you, but just to, to let people see how that relationship works. Right? Yeah. He said, same here. That's what we're called to do, to build each other up in truth, not just in things we want to hear. But I know if I ask Steve, if I'm outside the word of God, happened like two days ago, we were looking at stuff like, I don't know, like I can't find all the stuff in the word of God. Like maybe we shouldn't, you know, whatever. But we use this to guide our discussion and our relationship. And that's strong and that'll stand. If you use this to guide your family and your relationship, that's strong and it will stand. It's a foundation. And what? He won't what? He won't. One more time. Let me see it. He won't. 
Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 